Well, how about that? Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Those of you tuning in live on YouTube, let us know where you're watching from, especially if you're watching from Italy, because it was your night, Italy, in track and field, and that's not a sentence I expected to say. I'm Kevin Sully, and I am joined today by Texas Quarter Miler, Serenity Douglas, host of On the Run. Serenity, how are you? I'm doing really well. I'm really excited to get into the event that happened today. My goodness. So we have the men's 100 final that we're going to talk about. We're talking about a world record in the women's triple jump, an epic men's high jump. And of course, there was some preliminary action in the men's 800, the men's four-meter hurdles, the women's high hurdles as well. But let's start first with that absolute stunner in the men's 100-meter dash. And we knew going back to yesterday that we were going to see some surprises here because not all the favorites looked as good as they had this year. And so there were some emerging names that continued into the semifinals where we saw Trayvon Bromel go out. And then we had a third semifinal where Sue ran 983, Baker ran 983, and Jacobs ran 984. A very, very fast semi, the fastest by far of all three. So when we get to the final where we have a race where what would you say, Serenity? Before that race, how many of those men did you think legitimately had a chance to get gold? It was a tough call. I definitely didn't expect that it was going to be Italy. I My money was going towards Hughes, and I knew Fred Curley was going to be in the mix. After his semifinal, he looked extremely strong. He just had all the momentum to come back forward. Mm-hmm. I had the number probably at five or six because you couldn't count anybody out from that third heat from the semis. So you're, you're feeling good about Baker and Sue, even though you might have thought, hey, Sue maybe ran his final in the semis. And you you might have assumed that about Jacobs too. But then Curly looked good. DeGrasse is so experienced. And yeah, you're right about Hughes. So it was a huge list of people that you went into the final thinking could possibly win. And then you get to the race itself and i mean jacobs was a factor from the get-go curly got a really good start i thought degrasse and and baker were a bit slower out of the blocks hughes dq'd so a false start great britain had two dqs here between prescott and and hughes so a bad sign for them but about midway through i mean it became a, a two-person race here between jacobs and and curly and if you're thinking to yourself Man, am I just a bad track and field fan? Do I not know anything about Lamont, Marcel, Jacobs? Well, going into the season, Serenity, his PB was was 10.03, which is a good PB, but not a PB where you would have thought, hey, this guy is going to be a threat for an Olympic medal, let alone an Olympic gold. What did you think of, I mean, now in retrospect, were there signs here that, that Jacobs could pull this off? There were no signs to me because when you're dibbling and dabbling in the 10 flats and the 10.03, you said his PR was 10.03. Those are hard mm -hmm. times to just drop out of. Dropping out of the 10s is, I think, one of the hardest things to do. And a lot of these athletes have already done that. So that's why it surprised me a lot. But Fred Curley's PR was also 10.02. So, <laughs> you know, we dealt with the same thing. So, you know, honestly, yeah, I just didn't expect it at all. Yeah. 
Yeah. I guess the difference with Curly is completely switching from a different event. So you're thinking, okay, there's going to be some growing pains. And then he showed that he was capable of, of nine, nine lows and nine eights earlier in the year. But when you watch, when you watch the race back, what, what jumped out at you as, as decisive um, amongst the medalists or the people who didn't get on the podium that we thought could get on the podium from this final? I would say I was surprised by Ronnie Baker, but I understand why he could have sat in the blocks a little bit longer. There was a DQ. You know, these blocks are extremely sensitive. They will kick you out if you're even twitching. So mm -hmm. that could have had a factor in it. Fred got out great, and he used his 400-meter speed to really catch up. I'm not surprised at Akani at all either, or Andre de Graz, really. Even though mm -hmm. this was his first time coming out of the 990s, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just kind of feel like he just had momentum going. You know, he's hasn't really been doing too much this year. So he had the energy. He had the training. Yeah. Yeah, I DeGrasse, I mean, the guy, this is what he does, right? He goes to Olympics and World Championships and get medals. I thought this was going to be a great shot for him with the fields opening up. Hey, this is your opportunity to now you can you can get a gold. You cannot just be on the podium. And you can, you can actually get on a gold. But you know his his close was as impressive as it as it always is, as you expect from somebody who's so good in the two hundred. But th those two guys were were out there, and it just was weird in my head as I was processing it. This is the Olympic final. We're coming down the last few meters, and it's between Jacobs of Italy and Curly of the United States. Just the shock of that alone. I mean, again, credit to Curly. Bet on himself this year moved to the 100 and the 200, didn't make it in the 200, makes it in the 100, goes to, to Europe after the trials, runs two races slower than 10 seconds. All the attention is off him. You know, it's rightly on Bromel who won the trials and Baker who was runner up and won a race in Europe, the, that Monaco 100. So we're not, again, probably not giving Curly his credit coming into the, to the Olympics and then comes away with a silver medal, just the back and forth, the rhythms of this whole season, forget even before 2021 when he wasn't even running hundreds, forget all that. Just this year alone, it was up and down and all over the place. Just a wild ride for, for, for Fred Curley. It was, but at the same time, his tweets and the way he acts, the way he posed, I know that shouldn't matter so much, but mm -hmm. it has always made me nervous a little bit. Every time, you know, I'm even thinking, okay, like, let me just doubt Fred Curley. He tweets something like, I just had the best practice of my life. This is the year. I just, I was, like you said, I just was not expecting it. But at the same time, that's that 400 training. He's able to get through the year, able to go through the rounds. Those meets over in Europe were just, they were just reps for him in a way, just training. Mm -hmm. So, and this will be a lot of momentum for the 200. Yeah, well, he didn't. He remember he didn't make it in the make it in the. Oh 200, yeah, he did. Which is the crazy, the, the crazy, the crazy thing here. We have a guy who's a, me, a, a medalist in the four hundred, a medalist in the in the hundred, but came up short in the two hundred. I would say no doubt we'll see him in the the four by one here. And Curly, he called a called a shot here. Great night ahead of me. Hashtag, I am history for for Fred Curly. I mean these times too. You know, 980, 984, 989, solid times. Of course, we weren't going to see the Bolt era times. And and Christian Coleman mm -hmm. ran under under 98, but 
when you're missing that many big names and historical figures, you expected it to be slower. So given given the personnel in the race, pretty pretty good times. I mean, the top three came out with the best races of their lives. And the list of people who've run under 9.8 is really, really small. So for Jacobs to do that, to run right at 9.8 for Italy is a huge marker for him. And he has, I mean, he's 26 years old now. So you'd think, hey, this guy could maybe potentially go on a run in these next couple of years because we got three championships coming up, 22, 23, 24, 25, actually 20. Let me count. I had no, no sleep last night. Starting, let's try this again. 22, 23, 24, I was up 25. at 6 a.m. <laughs> four. Four, uh, four championships in a row. So, you know, he's a guy, a 980, right? And then you throw him in there with, with the rest of the folks in this race that, that was wide open. I mean, it just, it just shows you never really know, not only at the beginning of the season, who's going to be a player in this race, but even at the beginning of the meet. I'm looking back at his whole season here. 647 indoors in the 60 to win the European Championship in the 60, which, I mean, that's a that's a phenomenal time, right? We've seen faster mm -hmm. in this current era because we've been in the era with with Coleman and Baker who have run really fast times. And obviously a lot of people run fast in the 60 and aren't able to do it in the in the 100. So you could say, all right, eh, he's a good 60 guy, but can he do it in the 200 or can he do it in the 100? And then he right out of the gate, mid-May, 995 in the 100 for... For Jacobs, his first time under 10, smashes his PB. Then a bunch of stuff above 10. And then Monaco, 999, got third. So he got beat by Baker there. And then he came to the Olympics. So before this meet, he had only run under 10 seconds twice in his life. Then runs off a 994, a 984, and a 980. Anything's possible. <laughs> yeah. The times were not slow. The times were not slow. I have yeah. to give it to him. Maybe it was the momentum from watching his teammate. You know, mm -hmm. they hug right after. It was just a good day all around for them. That was a great, great, great moment. And again, yeah, didn't expect it to be Italy's night. We'll talk more about the high, the high jump later. And that was a really surprising end to that competition. But just in general, so you look at the 100, that group, that made the final it was it was pretty diverse geographically too of course you have baker and curly from the us you have sue from mm -hmm. china you have mm -hmm. jacobs from italy you have zarnell hughes from italy you have sambine from south africa you have adekoye from nigeria and you have degrasse from canada so pretty wide geographic distribution here in the final and and no Jamaicans. The, right. Yeah. <laughs> that just yeah. looks so weird to see. <laughs> yeah. Well, no Jamaicans and someone from Italy coming away with a hundred meter gold. I'm sure I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up real quick here to see if there's ever been a let's see the I mean the the Italian one hundred meter champion list, I'm I'm pretty sure is now just yes, it's just Marcel <laughs> Jacobs. He is the first Italian man to win. The 100 meter gold medal. I didn't want to say something and then someone would be like, no, in 1912, they had a guy who ran. Won the whole thing. No, it was, it is Jacobs. He, he stands alone in, he said history. in history. Yeah. I mean, just amazing, just amazing to take, cause it was wide open, right? But someone had to go in and grab it. And, 
And by running a 980, I think he proved, you know, legit Olympic Olympic champion there. So congrats to Jacobs, who I believe was born in Texas, Serenity. Was born in El Paso, he's, Texas. He's a Texan. He's a Texan. Okay. Go. That could have a lot to do with it. <laughs> uh, I mean, tell look me at what Fred. You, yeah. To, yes, exactly. Exactly. Two from from Texas. Yeah, born in uh born in El Paso, Texas. Marcel Jacobs moved to says he moved to Italy um as a child. So moved quickly to to Italy. His mom is Italian. His dad is from the US. Or he only spent less than less than a month of his childhood. I don't know if Texas can take credit for it. As someone who now lives in Texas, I know Texas is Texas is really you know this too, Serenity. Texas is really good at taking credit for things from from Texas, but yeah. if he's only here for a month, I don't know. I don't know about that. That's true. That's true. I honestly am not even from Texas, but yeah, everybody knows her. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's uh, let's go to um, let's talk Bromel. Let's talk Bromel here because he barely got through in the first round looked better in in the semis ran faster and i thought his he was more aggressive coming out of the blocks but the last portion of his race where you expected him to pull away where he's pulled away all throughout the season wasn't there runs 10 flat misses out on the final still unclear what what the issue was i saw one post race interview said he said he just needs to race in in Europe more feels like he needs more reps racing over overseas although he's won medals overseas and he won that diamond league after he lost in Monaco so it's not like he's been a bad overseas runner an injury he never said anything about an injury so i'm not mm-hmm. entirely sure um if that was an issue but i mean you you agree with me he did not look like the same bromel that we've seen pretty much the last 2 years he has not he definitely did not look like the same bromel Maybe it was just wanting to get through the rounds, just like he did at trials, just cruise it on in, you know, not too much wear and tear on his body. And the competitors were just not letting him, even through the prelims, they just were not letting him. But, you know, what can I say? If you had to go back and, I don't know, find some sort of some i mean if, if it's an injury it's an injury right and and he has his uh mm-hmm. we got put his put we put his tweet up right here it says i want to say thank you to everyone who's been with me on this journey lord knows how much i want to be in the final but i walk away with a smile because i know i showed many that after four years out you can still fight and make your dreams come true yeah if you look at this in its totality if you go back to 2016 and he leaves the rio olympics in a wheelchair he's got multiple surgeries multiple parts of his body causing him issues and he contemplates quitting the sport entirely. He misses whole seasons. If you told him a few years ago, or if you told anybody who's watching track and field, hey, the guy's going to come within a fraction of a second of making an Olympic final, you'd say, hey, that's a surprise. It, it looked like his his career was essentially over. But then you look at the last two years and you think, man, this guy was like on the fast track to gold. Honestly, well, I think prompted his tweet to be as optimistic as it is. When he joined me for On The Run, he never said he wanted to quit. He never said he thought about it. He always knew that something else was in his vision. 
and he always knew that this wasn't the end. So at the end of the day, I think he was just so happy to be out there, go out and compete again, not leaving in a wheelchair. So that's all he can really be grateful for. Yeah. I just think you go in as that, you go in as that favorite and as a, as big of a favorite as he was, because I, you know, the only guy under nine, nine, eight, and he had been so healthy. So if there was some sort of injury issue, it's just, it's just so unfortunate that it came at this, at this time, basically. And, and, and if it wasn't an injury and, and it was obviously it's better if it's not an injury because then, you know, he's still young. I, well, that's what we forget about Trayvon because he went pro pro so early and had success so early that he's still young. It wasn't an injury and it was just a bad set of races. Then he's looking good at those next set of set of championship uh, championships coming up and the potential to win gold medals. Um, but if it was an issue, it's just unfortunate. I don't feel like he overraced this year. I don't know when we if we pull up his pull up his season if we could. Serena, you take a look. You tell me what what you think of that that season. Too much, just enough, not enough. I don't know, like because he said I don't know if I would say. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I would say that he raced too much. He needs to race in Europe. I know that his group, his training group, trains in Europe for a good amount of the year, but it looks like a pretty consistent year. But I do know of a lot of athletes who just get so much momentum at trials. You know, just to make the team, make the team. And then it's just hard to come with that same energy at Tokyo, especially with the no fans there. That plays yeah. a part, too. So I'm really not sure. There are meets after the Olympics, but everybody doesn't know. But there are meets after the, after the Olympics. And if he's raced yeah. in any of them, if he's going to run in any of them, I think that he is going to be pretty fast. Yeah. Does that make it better or worse as from an athlete's perspective? That there's meat after the Olympics. No, um. <laughs> no. I mean, I oh. mean, like, I mean, you don't get them. You don't do it when it, when you want it to happen. But then like two weeks later, you run a PB. Is that frustrating a little bit? <laughs> because it's I like, hey, where me, was this two weeks ago? No, yeah. For <laughs> me, it would be very frustrating. Like, man, Serenity, you're on a big stage. Why couldn't you do that two weeks ago? But for yeah. some other athletes, they're very optimistic about it. I'm not sure. It really just depends on that athlete and perspective. Yeah. I mean, I guess we'll then get the answer of, it, you know, if he competes, what the health issue is. Because you anticipate if there was some sort of issue that he wouldn't go right back out to racing. And obviously the women's 100 is going to get really interesting in the post-Olympic races because we're going to see – uh, Shakira Richardson get dropped into a women's hundred field that's just completely on fire. I I got to admit, I was a bit like worried about the men going after the women because the women set such a high bar and everyone was going nuts. And I wanted to be like, guys, 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 you need to understand. You know, people who casually drop into track and field, it's not always going to be like that. You just watched an all time performance from those women, not just in that final, but in the lead up to it. Uh, but the but the men did a pretty good job. You know, they ran fast. wasn't historically fast like the women, and you have the the upset element to it as well. Agreed. But they always have the four by one. So the four by one now for the men. I know you love talking about the four by one and the four by four. We all do. <laughs> well, the four by one for the. Men, I guess that's a that's the sooner question that'll be an, be answered about Bromel, right? Does he does he run the four by one? 
because you think it will. You're I, gonna go ahead. I would like to point out that the last time I was on this, you guys were saying, "Here's gonna be the relay," and you guys named out the women's relay that did not include Tiana Daniels. That was fine, you know. Okay, yeah, I didn't yeah. agree. That was fine. <laughs> <laughs> and, and look, and you guys were wrong. And now we go to the men's four by one, and I'm pretty sure left out Fred Curley because you guys weren't really sure how it was going to be going. You know, who yeah. if they would throw Noah Lyles on. Now all of a sudden, the one person who made it on the U.S. team, Tiana Daniels, and then Fred Curley, medals. So it's just kind of like. Both are probably high, high chance of being on the relay now. So yeah, a little bit of an underdog statement there. Are you saying we got something wrong, Serenity? I've never gotten anything wrong on this podcast. I've never. I was predicting Jacobs to win the gold. I just to you know, point going... out you guys getting wrong. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, what the good thing for the coaches is the the these events happen before the relay. You don't have to do the relay on day one. You don't have to write it in permanent marker and say, this is my squad. So now you've seen everybody race in the in the hundred that you had and and you can make adjustments for there from there. I, I obviously the two hundred is gonna weigh heavy in this because if Noah Lyles shows up big time in the two hundred, you're gonna put him in there. Remember, Kenny Bednarik was fourth in the hundred. So putting him in the four by one isn't a stretch, particularly if he runs really well in the 200. But my, my question would be Bromel, right? That's where we would know, hey, is this guy fully ready to go? Uh, was it just a, a bad set of races for him in in the 100, in the individual event? Or is there a bigger issue? I think that's what we'll find out. If we see him in the race, we'll, we'll know, okay, yeah, he's, he's feeling good. He's healthy. He's ready to give this a shot. Because the, let's be honest, the men, the four by one is the US is for the taking. At this point, you mentioned no Jamaicans made the hundred meter final. Gordon and I talked about South Africa being a a sleeper team there, and and they still could be. But you know, Simbine didn't have the the big final that we we thought he would. So I would guess Great Britain is pretty motivated after having back to back DQs between Prescott and Zarnell Hughes, and Canada is always in the mix. But the U.S. would be the the big favorite just in terms of of depth, and you gotta. I mean, we're scrolling here. You try to find three or four. It's not like uh, years past where you'd say, oh, four of the top 10 are, are from or Jamaica. Three of the top eight are, are from the U.S. It's You got to go a little bit deeper, but I think the U.S. would be the favorite. Handoffs aside, right? Anytime you talk about the any relay in the 4 by one you got you to put that That was the separate, main thing just, I was going to mention. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the handoffs. Yeah. I think the excitement of it being very wide open, I do think that it's in the USA's hands. You know, me being biased, I do think that we're going to be able to carry it on. But how wide open it is, that's what makes it exciting. How unpredictable yeah. that 100 was, that was just, that's what the sport is all about, really. Yeah. Well, and because of Bolt, we never really wondered from 2008 through 2016. And, you know, the false start in, in 2011, okay. But then Blake won, and Blake was the guy that we thought would win in 2011. Then you go to 2017, where Bolt gets upset, and it's a big shock. But the person who, who beat him had won before. And then you go to 2019, and everybody assumed Coleman was going to win, and he won. 
it had been a while since we went into a men's hundred meter final and it was actually anybody's race. And it wasn't just a cliche to say, Hey, it's anybody's race. No, it literally was like, <laughs> there were guys who, who could have won that race, who most track fans probably hadn't heard of until the semis or the first round. Like that's how, that's how anonymous some of, some of these guys were. Now you had, you know, people like DeGrasse who've been around and Baker and Curly, who people were familiar with, but even Jacobs, I think most track fans were not following his career that closely until this year when he started breaking 10 seconds. Yeah, I think the transition from, like you said, the ones that we were just used to, always bet on no-brainers for us. The vet, you know, we like to call them. The transition from them into this newer generation and it just being completely wide open and mm -hmm. it's extremely shocking. I like to see it. I was not following Jacob <laughs> at all yeah. before this yeah. meet. So this was very surprising. Yeah. Well, and then to look ahead just real briefly to, to next year, if we assume Coleman comes back, right? Like the event in his absence has, it hasn't got like Bromel's run fast, run a 1077, but a nine, eight winning time. It's like, okay, Coleman's confident that he can match up with that. And then is Lyle's going to come back to the hundred? There's a lot of interesting questions in the men's hundred coming back, just as the same as there is going to be obviously for the, the women's hundred, when you throw people back in there and, you know, Coleman's been watching, he said, uh, next season will be worth mm -hmm. the wait. So 20, 2022 oh, wow. on the, on the, 2022 on the sprint side is going to be is going to be awesome because you got the veterans, you got the people coming up, you got some people who missed these Olympics who could have factored in or would have factored into the medals. Shouldn't even say could have, would have factored into the medals. So it'll be it'll be terrific. Um, let's talk about oh man, I want to go world record. Let's just talk about Yulemar Rojas triple jump. We got to talk about world record, Please. right? For, First world Please. record, first world record of these Olympics. She gets the first gold for a Venezuelan woman. She had an awesome bookend competition, Serenity. First round, drops the Olympic record. And then last round, 15.67, the world record. She's so fun to watch jump because this, her second phase is so short, relatively speaking. Um, <laughs> so you're like, wait a minute. So bad. <laughs> Or is it great? She's the she's the best jumper of all time. Or is like she's it great? Out, You're right. Yeah, she's figured out maybe everybody else has been doing it wrong, and then she just flies. Maybe everyone off else her. has been doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> she flies in that last phase. It just it's almost like the 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 second phase is purely just a setup to go crazy far on the third jump, and it was one of those where you know they have the line in the pit that you can see. And sometimes, because mm -hmm. the long jump, like you see the mark, but you don't really see the mark. You're like, okay, I, I see where there's a big indentation, but maybe their heel slid back and it's actually it's actually shorter than I think. Mm -hmm. And I always think it's longer. And then you see, oh, they got over eight meters in the long jump. But then you're like, oh no, it was actually 789 or whatever. This one was so clearly the world record. It was, it was spectacular to watch. Yeah, the, the line was here. She was here. I mean, it was, it was awesome. So congrats to, to Rojas for the gold and the, and the world record. Congrats to her. I have been watching her for a long time. I just knew this world record was hers, honestly. She has been scraping the line for a while now. 
And you're right. Whenever we see like the world record in the sand right there, mm-hmm. I thought three other girls beat it. Honestly, it's very. <laughs> it's really like the perspective. But when she actually beat it, clear as day. But like you said, her second phase is. I don't know. Maybe we're all doing it wrong because after that second phase, I thought she was gonna run out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I and and we got an interesting comment in the chat. It's like how can how can she be that good on the third jump and not be the best long jump in the world? And I, I know I heard a commentator say that too. Like right after she set the world record, she's like, I want to see her in the long jump too because that I want to see her third, in the long jump. <laughs> yeah, that that third that third jump is is a basic stand-in almost for, for the long jump. She's been fun to watch. She had that great rivalry with uh, a Bargwin a couple of years ago, two South Africans going at it, but now it's all, it's all Rojas all the time. So yeah, it was, uh, it is. It was I've a cool... always wanted to see, I've always wanted to see the top, top athletes just go into another event because even with like a team Mo, we were looking at her like, Oh, I wonder what she would run in this. I wonder what she would run in this. I really just mm-hmm. wonder what she would do in long jump, just just for fun. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It would be, uh, I mean, just because she displayed all the attributes. She probably it was pretty clear she already had the the attributes of a of a good long jumper just based on the uh, the sheer distance. But then when you add in just how she get how she got to fifteen sixty seven was pretty uh, interesting. I also want to see. I know they the the stat nerds out there they'll break it down by phases. I'm excited to see when they break it down by phases and compare it to the old world record, just how different her second and and third phases are. Yeah, she's got a 7 727 long jump. 727. PB. Oh, that's wind dated, I guess. So, 688. 688, wind which dated. is good. Yeah, I yeah. Get her in the long jump. Get her in the long jump, but Yulema Rojas, the Get first the world record. All right. Let's talk about this high jump competition. The other half of the, well, the Italian, the Italian job here, we'll say on, on Sunday night in, in Tokyo, Tambiri and Barshim tie for the gold. Now this was, this was wild because there were so many people late into this competition. Seven men took attempts at 239 because people just kept upping the bar, upping the bar. So then in response, other jumpers were passing and saving their attempts because they had more misses early in the competition. So someone like Javon Harrison's like, well, why would I jump at, why would I waste an attempt at one of these lower heights? It's not going to get me anywhere. It's basically all or nothing. So we end up with all these guys going for 239. None of them get it. And then on count back, Barshim and Tambiri are tied in terms of misses. So there was this weird situation where the officials go over and talk to them. And then immediately both of them start jumping up and down, screaming and crying and, and celebrating. Cause it was basically like, Hey, are you guys going to keep going? And he's, and it would have been funny if they had to make their decision independently. Like you write it down on a piece of paper and then hand it. And then they decide, cause I think they both would say, <laughs> Hey, I'm going to keep going. Cause if this guy, if this guy's going, I'm not going to get the silver medal, but it was just this joint decision. And then instant jubilation. What did you think of that decision in that moment? I thought it was crazy. I was biting my nails throughout the whole competition. As soon as I go over the bar, I think it's just flawless. But I didn't, honestly, I didn't know tying was possible. <laughs> when was the last time this happened? I really, I'm interested to know that. Yeah, so, I mean, there's been ties previously, but 
don't know, for a gold medal, I guess it's a bit, it's a bit different. And I get it because they're just exhausted at that point. So what do you do? Do you start like, I guess you could start mm-hmm. dropping the bar. You can start doing the opposite. Let's put it back at 220, guys. Or let's put it at 230. Or maybe maybe you go 230, maybe you go 237 and then work down from there. But I guess the issue, right, is if both if neither of them want to continue and they're both saying I'm ending it, there's no way to separate them, so you have to give two gold medals. The thing that makes it unique is that they're able to dis- to discuss that decision with each other. Mm-hmm. It's not as if two people in the long jump or, or another event are able to, to discuss in the moment of like, hey, or the hundred, hey, we're gonna run across at the same, like they just both decided to stop competing at the same time. And now Tokyo's gotta, they gotta find another gold medal somewhere. They gotta borrow it from, from somebody. Maybe there's a strategic reserve of extra gold medals somewhere. Extra gold medals, they do have extra gold medals. <laughs> just laying around. <laughs> So you got obviously Barshim, the 2019 gold medalist, you know, had had some shots at the world record there for a couple of years. Wasn't a surprise that he was there, although he came in with not the best season. But Tambiri, Tambiri Serenity had that horrible injury in 2016, right before mm-hmm. the Olympics, and he was on the ground crying in 2016 in Monaco. He was going for a big jump. And his ankle, his like shoe even popped open. That's how bad the ankle injury was. He brought the cast out with him right before his final jump and put it on the track and wrote and had 2016 crossed out and then 2021. I mean, what and what a moment. And then after they decide, they decide that they're gonna get gold, he's on the ground again, this time tears of joy instead of tears of, of sadness and disappointment, but brings the cast to the meet and puts it on the track before his final jump. Let's talk about motivation. Let's talk (laughs) about motivation. But also with jumpers, it always makes me kind of nervous when the anticipation is that high because, you know, things could go wrong in that moment. Hmm. So it was crazy. Let me actually, there we go. And then just just the moment there too, then Tambiri's already on the track and there's that visual of, Jacobs crossing the line and Timberi's there like waiting almost at the finish line for the big night. That's why for... I said it was the Italian it was the Italian adrenaline. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was incredible. But just the story of Tambiri, obviously people know with the with the the half beard and all the the cool stuff he does, but the injury, the injury was a real catastrophic event in his career. And he had gotten back, but he was out of the medals in in Doha. So to bring it back to bring the cast. I mean, these things, you're right. These things, this is, yeah, this is why, this is why you have the meat. Like no one would have said when they looked at the program, oh, hey, August 1st, that's going to be Italy's night in track and field. That's going to be Italy's time to shine. There's literally nobody who would have said that. And they went out there and did it. I have to ask you though, what's the, I mean, I guess this, the, the cast on the track wasn't really a celebration. So I was I was gonna ask you to compare celebrations, but I'll just ask you straight up, did you see Raven Saunders's twerk after getting silver in the women's shot put? Because I was gonna ask you to compare and contrast, but one was more of a uh, source of inspiration <laughs> versus one was pure celebration. Honestly, Raven Saunders, that was inspiration to me too. Her twerking, 
honestly, I knew that she was going to wear like the brief because she had talked about it before, but she's just a character. Watching her leading up to the meet, I just knew it was going to be something ridiculous. I was pulling for her, but I, I think I like her celebration better <laughs> because she didn't want to necessarily cry from it. You just laugh, but it was still extremely inspirational, especially where she started. Yeah, well, and the whole, the mask, the glasses, mm-hmm. the celebration. She was talking to the, even, I was watching during qualifying, even, late a couple nights ago, after the throw, she's talking to the camera. Like, she's just fired up. She talks she's to the getting, camera. <laughs> yeah, she's getting energy from an empty stadium, basically. Like, she was creating it out of out of nothing, basically, out of whole cloth here. And then she just carried that through into the final and uh gong of china gets the gets the gold launched one out over 20 meters she was the favorite going in so solid throw for her but saunders able to to get a silver and valerie adams medals for the fourth time in the olympics two golds a silver and now a bronze with her 1962 talk about talk about longevity there it was uh yeah it was sensational so you have this so you have this dominant throw from uh, Gong. You have just sustained excellence from Valerie Adams, greatest female shot putter of all time. And then you have just the the Raven Saunders effect there in in silver. It was a cool cool women's shot put competition as well. I like that the Raven Saunders effect. <laughs> she made it fun. She made it fun. Like after each throw, you never knew what what she was gonna do. There was gonna be something going on and listen we've seen the big personalities from running event athletes all the time the difference is they usually run one race and they're gone she's just taking attempt after attempt after attempt you feel like you get to know her after a while what's she gonna say this time how's she gonna celebrate after this one and she just kept that energy going all throughout the competition i loved it uh it was a ton of fun um okay let's talk now prelims Men's formula hurdles. Gordon and I talked about how we had the death heat of all death heats because they put Warholm and Benjamin in the same heat. And these guys, Serenity, they were in complete lockstep. It looked the entire way. I think Benjamin had a slight lead at one point. Obviously, Warholm won the heat, but just one, two, three. Like they were clicking off the hurdles and they were pretty far apart on the track, if I'm remembering correctly but they mm-hmm. they were basically running in tandem so if it was possible to get more excited about the final which already i was at a 9.9999999999 for the men's and women's formula hurdles like i got a little bit more excited after watching this heat i just loved how both of them just absolutely cruised the 47 three with no issue it was so exciting to watch as soon as i saw them in the same heat though i was very upset with the officials because I just really wanted to anticipate it in the finals because I both knew that they were going to make it into the finals. And when you put two great athletes in the same heat, there's a possibility Mm -hmm. of them knocking one of each other out. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we never want that, but they were in sync and they weren't even close. I think Benjamin was in the inside and Warhol was on the outside lane. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was great to watch. Just so calm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and Gordon and I talked, hey, are they going to look at each other after the last hurdle? Or are they going to do the the bolt into grass thing? But, but they, yeah, yeah, but but they didn't. They didn't. And Warholm, 
was behind towards the end and then pushed past and and got the win. So if you want to read the tea leaves there, you can. But you know, Warholm obviously has proven himself time and time again and hasn't lost a final in three seasons. So I think he remains the favorite. I think you have to give him that because he's the he's the world record holder. But obviously Benjamin showed that Warholm's going to have to bring his absolute A game. I think this track is fast. I think that we've proven that through the hundreds. So I think that world record is going to go down in the final. And I think both of those guys could could go under it. Um, we should mention Dos Santos from Brazil, who's like, hey, guys, I'm over here. I ran a 47-31. I won my heat. I wasn't in the I wasn't in the featured heat because apparently there's featured heats now in the first round or the second round. And then Samba, Samba looked pretty good, 47-47 uh, to, to be the fourth fastest qualifier there. So those four names we've anticipated all year would be the ones going for the medals, think Benjamin and, and Warholm going for the gold, but but Santos just just a tick behind. I'm gonna ask about your your event now. The the 400 men's quarter, first round. I'll just read some highlights and you can jump in and and add and discuss whatever you'd like. Randolph Ross, North Carolina ANT star, NCAA champion, only guy under 44 this year, goes out. I thought Steven Gardner looked really good and composed, and Michael Norman got second in his heat, and Michael Cherry of the U.S. advanced, as did Wade Van Niekerk, the world record holder. Mm -hmm. I was very, very excited to see Van Niekerk. He has been dealing with injuries. It feels like I haven't seen him race in about four years. Maybe he's had a race here and there. So I was mm -hmm. just very curious to see how in shape he was. and. To see if he looked different, you know, you're expecting so much. The 4303 is on the screen during the 400. And to <laughs> see the man who ran that yeah, right there with everybody else was just kind of, it was, it was shocking to see. But he had, like I said, he has been dealing with injuries. And it's just about getting race conditioning in. It was good to see him, though. The 400s were fast. It hurt to see Ross get out. Terry does what he needs to do every time. It was going mm -hmm. to be a good race. Are you concerned at all about Norman? I just feel like there's always going back to trials. Remember, Michael Johnson was saying how he doesn't really look confident, and we were we were having fun with that comment because we knew he was going to get it together. But I remember back in in Doha, in Doha, he was carrying that injury. He said afterwards, but it just things like look a little bit more difficult than they should in the early rounds for him an awful lot of times, and we don't know. Hey, are you playing coy here, or or what's going on? It might sound crazy, but I judge Norman's conditioning off of Rye Benjamin's conditioning. So if Rye <laughs> Benjamin looks good, I know Michael Norman is going to be fine too. And even Rye Benjamin was kind of scaring us a little bit at trials throughout the first round. And then he got the hang of it. So I think that Norman is going to do the same thing, honestly. They go hand in hand to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'd be good. That'd be good news for Norman because right now Benjamin – looks pretty solid i don't you know you're going to qualify right with your your michael norman it's 100 meters to go but then there's this guy out there who's really pushing it do you go after him to win the heat and to 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 stretch your legs out or are you just like hey whatever man i'm fine you play it smart you play it smart every time why do that in the semifinal? there's a final for a reason if you know that you're going to make it into the final do it then but yeah Obviously, you can't relax too much. 
and mm -hmm. you have to see the pace of the heat. You know, that's a major thing. A lot of the top athletes want to, you know, do the thing that they did at trials. They just want to cruise in, relax and yeah. everything. But there's other people who have a target on their back and they're mm -hmm. like, no, we're not relaxing. <laughs> I'm going to run a 4731. <laughs> that's just going to be the way it is. So you can't end up relaxing. So. Well, and you don't really know, right, who's going to just go try to be a hero in the first round or who's going to be a semi. So I imagine it's difficult if you're measuring yourself off of somebody else and they're running their final right now and you're like, wait a minute, this is not what I signed up for. That's got to be difficult to make a decision in that moment versus the final where you're just going to say, screw it, it's everything I have. It is very difficult. I have been in a situation where I'm like, okay, well, this is just going to be an easy, let's just get through to the final top two gets through to the final. And then everybody else is like, no, I want to break the world record in this race right now. Mm -hmm. And it can throw you off. It can definitely throw you off because you had a race strategy and now all of a sudden you're running off of them because you're just trying to qualify. Mm -hmm. So it can be difficult. Yeah. But I think he played it really smart. I will say Gardner looked really controlled, really comfortable. I mean, maybe part of that is he, he didn't have a guy in his heat who was really pushing hard for the win he 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 controlled that race but he gardner ran like a like a favorite there like got command and then and then shut it down early so we shall see always always interesting in these rounds with with michael norman men's 800 meters this is wild because i'm getting news still about protests and stuff so i don't know how much i really want to even talk about this because this could change by the time people listen to it if you're not listening you can talk about live. what happened Here's what happened. All right. This was uh Hopple went out in the first heat. Uh so he did not he did not qualify. It was a bit it was a bit tactical. Um that heat ended up being pretty slow with Emmanuel Career and Lopez getting the auto spots. Then he had heat two. Uh Clayton Murphy looked to be boxed in and looked to be out, and then he pulled the rabbit out of hat in the last 50. Real smart tactical running and then looked no worse for the wear so he's through uh he looks solid he was right behind peter bull of australia who set up a, a pb there and a, and a continental record so that that second heat was a little bit um dramatic if you were a, a a american fan and then we get to the third heat which is where things really got crazy because with 150 to go isaiah jewett and nigel amos both go down and it happened right when Ferguson Rotich was passing them. So I didn't know if there was, there was contact there, but Jewett was in front of Amos and I haven't seen enough replays to, to know, you know, how the contact was made. Um, they got up, they embraced with 150 to go, and then they came in and finished together. And now I'm seeing that Amos was reinstated for the final, but Isaiah Jewett has not. Now, unless Jewett like stepped off the track or something, I don't because he was in front. <laughs> he was in, he was in front. So if if he went down, um, I'm just I'm just basically trying to figure out how one guy gets through and and the other guy doesn't. So hopefully we'll get an explanation on that. But Rotich looked amazing at the front. He was like pointing, looking around, doing a little dance almost, and he ran 144 low. So that's after his 143 uh, 143 high. I guess you're just hoping he doesn't 
he doesn't use it all out in the in the early rounds. But yeah, I don't I don't know if there's going to be this feels like one of those where there's going to be a counter protest to the protest and then everybody's going to get upset and we're going to end up with nine nine men in the final. I agree. I can definitely see that happening. I can't, so, I can't really speak on so, it yet. <laughs> someone in the chat someone in the chat says that he that he tripped Jewett. Oh, Jewett ran into the rail. Okay. If that's the case, and then he and then he caused Amos to to go down again. This is this is why it's like I don't want to have a, I can't make a, a clear statement right now without having seen the replays a hundred times um, to check it out. So Amos back in. So it would have been interesting because he was kind of buried. Amos was back there, and I'm not a hundred percent sure he he would make it. And you say, oh Kevin, you're you're downplaying him. He's the guy who has the fastest time in the world this year, but he does that when he front runs and his championship record outside of London 2012 has been spotty. He's only made one, he's only one, made one final. So I don't know if it was going to be a guarantee that he was going to go, go through. So do we have the final Travis? Can you pull up the, have they posted the final um, start, start list here? Just so we can see all nine, nine men at once. I don't know if they're going to have, have already added Amos yet, but yeah. So Amos gets, gets through. So he'll be a factor. I, I mean, Rotich has looked the best through the rounds. Murphy has the experience and is really good tactically. Um, and there's only one American in there. And then obviously Amos has the fastest time in the year and the fastest uh, fastest PB. Also, another thing that's weird, Serenity, like the rhythm is kind of off in some of these events. There's more days off than you think. And like, for example, the women's high hurdles, the semi was today. You're like, oh, so the final's in like an hour? <laughs> oh, no. That's exactly what i thought too i'm texting kenny like oh good luck you're about to run zone but i don't think so <laughs> it's really confusing you're right the timing of everything is really off yeah i don't yeah here's the men's the men's 800 final there so two al tuka dobek career murphy rotich ben bull and amos so lopez didn't get through my apologies from from heat oh, wow. one he, he did not get through um so it was a lot of surprises yeah 100 there was a lot of um there were a lot of surprises just as we thought because that event's been wide open ever since brazier didn't uh didn't make it and you and you were without the guy who's run the best over the last couple of years so um yeah sorry lopez was in third yeah i missed it by 0.03 that's brutal for him so dobeck in career out of heat one all the autos or all the non-autos were out of heat two, and then the final heat. Well, it gets three in there because of Nigel Amos getting reinstated and put back in there. Um, I did also see that the Brits were protesting Murphy's move too. So, I mean, it's just protests on top of it. Wouldn't be an eight hundred in a major championship if there wasn't just protests in terms of protests. Um, in any event, okay. Uh, high hurdles. You want to talk about the high hurdles? What'd you think? Camacho Quinn looking really good there. Uh, sets the Olympic record, 1226, ties for fourth all time. Brittany Anderson, number two, and then Kenny Harrison, number three, with 1251. Camacho Quinn has been running well all year. So I knew that she was going to run something extremely fast here. She looked great. She looked extremely strong. Her last couple of hurdles in the race, I just knew that it was going to be something fast. She was not just trying to get through the round. <laughs> her mm -hmm. last, I think, two, her come downs were just spectacular. So it's going to be a very 
I'm excited. <laughs> That's all I can say. Is I'm excited. Camacho Quinn's been on a tear. I mean, you look at her whole season. It's just you're right. It's been pointing in this direction. I think Harrison and Anderson. So everybody but Camacho Quinn has two things going for them, though. I think one that the final wasn't today. Because if the final was today, she just got to rest up for an hour, go back, do the same thing, and you get your gold medal. Perhaps with a little bit of time. Yeah, the things shake out a bit differently. I don't know. Hurdles are such a rhythm race. The other thing, and this is particularly for Harrison, the pressure is off her now. I mean, everybody is looking, you know, you have the, the Olympic record holder. Yeah, Kenny has the world record, but Camacho Quinn is only six one hundredths away from that. So it's just for her, I don't think, I don't think the expectation from the outside is gold, which I think could be a, a good thing for her going into the, the final. Get a data reset. Hey, pressure's not on me. Let's just see. But I am the world record holder. I know I can run fast, um, as fast as she has. I've done it throughout my career. But it's not the, hey, you're the world record holder, you should win type of approach. I have seen Kenny thrive on this form of pressure. I've seen her thrive on competition. So honestly, I'm excited to see it. Like you said, yeah, the pressure isn't on her right now, but yeah. I saw Sydney McLaughlin's quote, pressure is an illusion. So you never know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Camacho Quinn and McLaughlin were teammates at Kentucky too, all sorts of connections. And didn't Camacho Quinn train, trained with, they trained with Flo too, right? He did so train Kenny knows, mm -hmm. yeah, because Kenny was probably at Kentucky as a volunteer assistant when Camacho Quinn was there, correct? Yeah, she was. Yeah. They were training partners. Okay. So it's so going to be interesting. They're, they're familiar with each other. They're familiar with each other. Um, they are familiar with each other. Flo, man. He's got, he's got a lot of people who are fast. And can jump far. I just want Flo to say Flo does have a lot of people. <laughs> Thank you for saying that again. Flo has a lot of people who run fast and jump far. Yes, he does. Yeah. All right. That's, are those all the events? Let's see. It's set. I think that's it. It's set. That's it. Yeah. So it tomorrow, let me look. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me look at tomorrow, what we have on tap for the schedule. Day number four. So we got the. Number four. Yeah, we got finals coming in the men's 5,000, or sorry, women's 5,000, men's steeple. Uh, women's 200 starts tomorrow. So this is what's wild, right? So the women's high hurdles does one round per day, but the women's 200 doubles up. Now they go morning and night. So it's not the same thing as back to back evening sessions. But they're doing two 200s in one day, starting with the women, which would be tonight in the U.S. for the heats, and then the semifinals coming back later that day. So the trial schedule, usually they like to make the trial schedule mimic the Olympic schedule. That's not, that's not the case. That's not the case it's this the time case. In, in, in terms of the frequency of events. Now, the order and is this double possible or is that double possible – somewhat aligned not entirely but but the whole idea like semis to finals and first round to to semis is 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 a bit off so 
something to watch. Something to watch as you look uh, and view this as a, uh, I guess, someone who, if you followed the U.S. trials. So we shall see. Uh, I think we'll leave it there. I think we'll leave it there. Uh, flowcheckpodcast at gmail.com is the email address. And subscribe to the Flowcheck Podcast YouTube channel. Serenity, thank you so much for coming on. This was fun. Oh, someone's coming in the door. Someone's opening the oh door in Serenity's house. I know. Here we go. What is it? Damn you. Please cut. We'll leave it there. It's all good. Hey, you're live. They're live on YouTube. I didn't know. It could have been a celebrity. Thanks to. I know it's live. I know. <laughs> Thanks to Travis. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Thank you so much.